and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Good morning. Wow, you guys are like spread all across the arena here. Uh, I do know several families that came down with sickness. I guess there's a bug going around or something. But uh, it's good to see you. Why not worship awesome this morning? Just fantastic. You got, I'm telling you, you guys, listen. There, there, is so, there are so many good things that God is up to. And the enemy is so busy to try to keep God's people from seeing the good things that God is up to. That it looks like God isn't up to any very much. Right? And it's like, this is the trick of the devil. To blind people, to keep their eyes blinded from seeing the good things of God. Jesus told a parable about uh, a king who gave a banquet. He, he gave a feast and he invited his friends to come. And they made excuses. They didn't come. They had every kind of excuse in the world not to come. And when very few people responded, the king responded to the messengers and said, go out into the highways and the byways and find whoever you can and invite them to come. I find that very interesting because they were friends of the king. They knew the king, personally related to the king. And yet they refused to come. And Jesus just said, okay, find those that will come and invite them. And I feel like there's in this, uh, in this season of God moving, there always seems to be, before God gets ready to do something really, really big, there always seems to be a major aggression, a major attack to keep people from experiencing the goodness of God. And I feel like we're in, in those days. And we're not alone. These, these have been going on for a long time. I have a passage to read in Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you learn to say it. Or you have that Hebrew to it. Um, and and t- Habakkuk was a prophet who, uh, he basically lived around 500 uh, B.C., 500 years before Christ. And he got a vision from God. And this vision was so disturbing to the prophet, it so moved him. Because it included Judah being destroyed, coming into destruction. And at the time that the prophet is receiving it, Judah was a country. It was an established country, had its own army, had its own defense. And the prophet gets this vision. And Habakkuk 2, 3 says, For the vision, God says... For the vision is yet for a point of time, but in the end it will speak, and it will not lie. And though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And in verse 1, God says, write down the vision. Write it down. I find that very interesting. I was reading through this. Uh, pulled out a couple commentaries. Habakkuk was not a, a, you know, a really known prophet. They put him in the minor prophets because he, he was no, really not like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel, a well-known prophet. But his message 
was to warn and to also condition the heart of God's people to understand that judgment was coming to them. So he lived before this destruction. He lived in a time where he was seeing the destruction uh, by the Babylonians. They were going to come in. They were going to just wipe out Judah. Judah would be nothing but rubble by the time the Babylonians were done. This is what they did to cities. It's what they did to countries. They would come in like a steamroller and just plow over everything. Some of the Psalms that are written describe them as beating the children uh, upon the rocks, their heads upon the rocks until uh, they died. Uh, others, they would come in, they'd cut the, the stomach of pregnant women open until they died. They were just a brutal evil. You think you live in an evil day today. These people were brutal and evil. They were so aggressive and so horrible. And Habakkuk sees all this in a vision, and God tells him to write it down, record it. And I can only imagine as he's, he's struggling with what he's seen, you know, it's like, this, this is so wrong. This is so out of place. This just does not belong. It doesn't fit. And yet God tells him to write it down. He's got a heart devoted to God. He loves the Lord. And yet he writes it down in obedience. Habakkuk sees this vision. He writes it down. And in chapter 3, he says, O Lord, I have heard of your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He is... He's got this vision. He sees this vision of the destruction that's coming to his homeland. His nation is going to be destroyed and going to be leveled. He sees it. And he immediately goes into a place with God where he says, Lord, come on. I've been hearing about your works my whole life. I've heard, I've heard of your supernatural miracles. I've heard what you did at the Red Sea. I've heard how you delivered the people of God over the years. I've heard these Revive them, Lord. Revive your works. And he's praying this message from a heart that just says, God, do in my day what you've done before because I've heard all these stories and I'd like to see you do what you've done before. It's like, do it, God. He's praying. And he says, in wrath, remember mercy. His prayer didn't change the outcome. But, it is the prayer of the faithful. It, is, it reveals the heart, the recording of his prayer, the recording of his calling to God for mercy. It reveals the heart of the saints who, even in the midst of seeing terrible things going around them, they're, they're pleading with God for his mercy. They're asking God, give us mercy. I mean, this is... This is historical, right? I mean, this is, Habakkuk is writing something that is going to actually take place in a historical level. And he's seeing this vision. And it's so detailed. The vision is so detailed. It's before, it's before the Babylonians. His prophecy was probably about a, 150 years before the Babylonians even existed as a nation. And he's seen the detail of exactly what the Babylonians did when they went into a country. And he's... He's got such a heart to honor God and speak what God has shown him that he, he basically does what all the prophets did. They all went out on a limb. They all went out on a limb. 
they, they would hear God say things and they would speak these things. They spoke God's heart and God's word and the people did not want to hear God's word. They did not want to hear God's heart. They had their own direction. They wanted to do their own thing. They were in other prophets that would speak. God would call them a rebellious people. You're a rebellious people. You're a hard-headed, stiff-necked people. And these men, these prophets, they, they weren't walking around with halos on their heads, angel wings displayed. They were mere men born right among their own people in their own nation with a message and a heart from God. And they were totally mistreated, totally talked bad about. Habakkuk, must, they must have thought he was insane to describe the vision, to write the vision, and then to proclaim the vision, and then to say, this is what is going to happen to Judah. And then for Judah to say, no, 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 no. Not going to happen. They ended up killing them, just like they did with most of the prophets. Jesus even said, you Pharisees and you hypocrites, you have killed the prophets. Your people have killed the prophets, and yet you guys whitewash their tombs and glorify them, only to signify that you are related to the ones that have killed them. And it's the same heart that God has here that he's moving through Habakkuk. It's the same heart. His message is, this is not my intent to destroy people. It's my intent to renew and revive and restore. He, he would use the prophets to call the people into repentance. And, and at times the people did. And at other times they didn't. They just kept up their insistent rebellious ways. This is such a wonderful message to proclaim. And even though his prayer did not change the oncoming judgment, he prayed and left the outcome to God. But you see his heart in his prayer. Okay, we're, we're, we're coming into a place where right about now, buckle your seatbelts. You can hear the pilot over the intercom. We're getting ready to land. Buckle your seatbelts. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 says this. And this is the heart of this prophet, right? I, I can only imagine him carrying the heart of God for, for the people of Israel, for the people of Judah. He's carrying the heart of of God, heart of the Father. And his heart is devastated by what he's seen. And this is what he says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. I would say that's a pretty... Big description of a bad time. I would, I'd say Habakkuk lived in a bad time. He's like living in a rough time. He's, not, he's looking around for fruit, and there is no fruit. He's looking around for repentance. There is no repentance. He's looking around for changed 
to come, there is no change. You have to understand the people of Judah, the people of Israel at that time, historically, if you look historically, what they were doing, they were pursuing other gods of the land. They rejected God. They turned their back on on the Most High God, and they pursued other gods and, and idols. And they were sacrificing their children to the God of Moloch, and they were they were bowing down to the idols of Baal. And they were, they were giving themselves over to the, the gods of the other nations because they wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to be like others. And they've got no blossoming figs, no fruit on the vines. The olive is failing. There's a failure of food. And the herds in the stall are not there. So what does the prophet do with that? A great message. You guys are fruitless. You got no animals in the stall. What's it going to take for you to wake up? And see and turn to God. And then he goes into this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. And this is where the switch comes. The switch comes for us. We're living in a time where all you have to do is listen to the news for five or ten minutes, and you're going to be asking, what the heck is going on in this world? You don't have to listen long. You know, if you're on Twitter, you could probably only be on there for a minute and just say, what? And how did we get to this? Now, granted, there are some good things that are on social media. It's not all bad. I, I understand that. I get that. But I mean, am, do you guys see what's happening in our world? Are are you hearing what's happening in our world? Habakkuk lived in the same type of thing. There was stuff going on that was just all whacked out. It was mixed up. No fruit on the vine? I don't believe he's just writing a poem. He's describing famine. He's describing... Things that are happening in the land that are just out of whack. And this is what he does. And this is what I believe it, 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 it brings us into the equation of where we live today and what we see going on right now. We can sit around and complain about how whacked everything is. We can sit around and complain about what we're seeing and what we're witnessing and what, what is happening in our land and in our, in our world. Or we can be like the prophet and said. Yet will I praise you. Yet will I declare your goodness. Have you ever, has anyone here ever been criticized? I'm the only one that got my hands up. Wow. Okay. Well, have you ever been criticized? It doesn't feel good, does it? It's not a good feeling. Usually I get criticized because I'm different. I get double criticized because I speak publicly. And not everything I say comes out right the way I want it to. 
It's communication. It's like being in that relationship. And uh, Bill Johnson said something years ago that I've never forgot it. It was uh, back when we first had him in 19... By the way, he's coming here December 3rd. And um, back, back when we first started ministry... Um, yeah, you know what? Clap again. It's a, it, that's exciting news, right? I mean, Someone says, well, Christianity needs to get away from these super people, you know, <laughs> celebrity syndrome of Christianity. It's like, you know what? Every kid has their hero. Why can't you let us be kids and enjoy the things of God? Bill's a general, and I've looked up to him my whole life. I mean, really, literally, since I've known him since 1968. My whole life I've looked up to him. He used to come over to our house for tables, and I'd, I'd be sitting around as a kid at the table. And I'd, I'd say something, and he'd just look at me. <laughs> he wouldn't say a word. He'd just look. I'm a, I'm a teenager. How many of you have teenagers and never say anything stupid? Okay, so I was one of those guys that said dumb things. And he'd just look at me, and and I I would feel like, oh, my gosh. Because he just carries that with him, right? Carries that level of faith that just sees beyond where we are and sees our identity. And I'm, I'm so excited he's coming. I really am thrilled. This is where it comes down to, no matter what we're going through, if things are cut off, if things look like it's just not going well, if there's critics that are criticizing you and, and feeling like there's things that are just out of order and out of place and things should be different. By the way, anyone can say things can be different. Very few have the ability to make things different. There's, there's enough imperfection in all of us to find something wrong. And if you can't find enough wrong in me, I can find enough wrong in you. And it's like it can go on and on and on. And it's like, where does it stop? We, we need to feed ourselves on the things that bring hope and joy. And this is what Habakkuk did. He, he's in a time where there's not much hope and there's not much joy. And he turns it in and says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It is the greatest privilege that we have is to praise and worship God. It, I don't know about you, but I've, for, for the time that we've been, we've been doing this, Every time we come into a place of worship, no matter what I felt like before, things shift inside of me when we enter into that place of worship. It's just the power of worship. It's not just the singing. It's not just the music. It's the, the heart shift. that just It just takes us out of what we've been in through the week, and it brings us into a place of adjustment. To see him high and lifted up, the glory of the nations. To declare his goodness amongst the saints. In, in a, like a glorious assembly, as the Psalms describe it. 
You guys are a glorious assembly. Look, I, you know what? I know there's, there's a lot of criticism about church today in the world. The, church is, the world is never going to understand the church, never going to get it. It's just not going to happen. But we as a church need to get it. And whether we meet in a building that has a big cross on top or an industrial building like this or a home, stop criticizing each other. Celebrate the glorious gathering of the saints. That's, wow, that sounded harsh. Can we do that? Can we just accept that there is difference? And difference is good. When, when I first... When I first got a heart to, to go into ministry, it was, it was a long, it was an ancient time ago. And I, I first got a heart to just go into ministry, and I heard, just be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. I found out it's the most dangerous thing to do in ministry, be yourself. <laughs> Nobody understands you the way you understand you. But it's the most necessary thing to do. And it's like when God... Calls a man like Habakkuk, whether it's Habakkuk, Isaiah, Jeremiah, a prophet, whoever. When he calls a person, they respond with the message that God gives them. And the message that God gives them isn't always well received by God's people. And yet it's the response in their heart that needs to give it. There's always room for hope and joy in the life of a believer. Always room. Make room for hope and joy in these days. I, I don't want to be a sad pastor, and I don't want to pastor a sad people. And we need to keep hope and joy in our life. It, if you have a spouse that helps you out in that good if you are, are, are single and don't have a spouse, find some people that are going to help you out in that. If you start going down a negative path, just have the kind of friends that are going to speak up to you and say, hey, where, where's your hope and joy at right now? My wife does that to me quite often. Where's your hope and joy right now? She's probably sitting in the front row right now going, get into the hope and joy, get into the hope and joy. Habakkuk, that was old. Get into the new. All right. And see, despair knows only gloom. Hope sees an empty tomb. Right? I mean, think about the disciples, how much in gloom they were when they crucified Jesus and put him in a tomb. But hope saw the tomb empty. Now, I was putting together this message in I'm going to read a, a I'm going to read a, a scripture that Jesus said, which I, I'm going to call the God sandwich. It's just the way I saw it when I read it. This is a God sandwich. In John sixteen thirty three, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, this 
scripture this morning. It just jumps out at me, right, as I'm reading. I, I was reading through the book of Matthew this morning, and it just jumped out at me. And I was reading through John, too. And this is what, this is what I saw. When God created the world, what did he say? You afraid to answer, huh? I don't know if I'm going to get this right or not. It's good. So, bottom layer, good. When sin came in the world, tribulation came with it. And then God put peace and reconciliation over tribulation. It's a God sandwich. Get it? Isn't that cool? Isn't that a cool way to see it? It's a God sandwich. And guess, guess what weighs more than the tribulation? Goodness and peace. Weighs much, much more. It's like he, he has more than just the trials and the tribulation. He is more than that. He is peace. He is goodness. But in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Do you know how many times he said be of good cheer? Do a word search on it. It's very interesting. He says it quite a few times. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. You know why it's important to be of good cheer? Because being of good cheer is how we redirect our whole... It's how we get unstuck. Be of good cheer. I, one of the reasons I like Steve Backlund, right? Steve Backlund. <laughs> Steve Backlund talks about laughing at some of the lies. And it, it's one of the reasons I like him because he, it's, he, he's... If you've ever watched Steve on, on his podcast, he's always an upbeat guy, always happy, always promoting cheer. Recently, I was watching him, and he did a podcast on when God asks you what's wrong. <laughs> the whole podcast is, when God asks you what's wrong, there's a reason he is asking you what's wrong. Because you're displaying that something's wrong. And he says, Jonah was asked by God, what's wrong? And you remember the story of Jonah. He ran away because he thought that God would extend mercy towards, towards the Ninevites. And sure enough, God extended mercy to the Ninevites. They repented, and the whole nation was saved. Jonah gets bummed out. He's all been out of shape. I knew you'd do this. That's why I didn't want to go. But you forced my hand. And he goes out and he's sitting complaining to God and he's getting hot in the sun. He's starting to pass out. It's getting so hot. And suddenly God causes, he causes a big plant to grow up over Jonah to provide him shade. Jonah's thankful for the shade, still complaining in his heart, still has that down countenance going on, the negativity. And a caterpillar comes along and eats the plant. The plant shrivels up and dies. Jonah's back out in the hot sun again, and he starts complaining about the caterpillar. Why do you have a caterpillar eat my plant? Jonah's having a bad day. Nehemiah building a wall. Nehemiah is building a wall and rebuilding a wall. And his enemies meet him in the valley of Ono. I love how Steve says this. The Valley of Ono. Oh 
And he, he asked the question, Steve asked the question on the podcast. Have you been in the valley of oh no? <laughs> See, holiness is not illustrated in the things we do. Victory doesn't come in the midst of right circumstances. Victory can happen in the valley of oh no. And if you've been feeling like we're in the valley of Ono, if you've been feeling like our world is just falling apart, if you've been feeling like things are so chaotic and so, so confused, and if you've, been, if you've been just like asking God to rescue you from the planet, don't be like Jonah. Just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to enter into praise. Just worship him. Worship it. Gets, gets the joy back in your life. Get out of the headlines. Get some joy back in your life. Matthew 21, 18 to 22 says, Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. If you read this version in the Message Bible, it's hilarious. It just says, immediately it became a dry stick. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. The faith, not doubt, propels us into the possibilities. Now, don't ask me why Jesus cursed the fig tree. It didn't have any fruit. That's obvious the answer that it was. But really, the poor fig tree probably didn't hurt a soul. It just didn't have fruit. So was Jesus giving his followers permission to wither up fig trees? I don't know. Maybe so. I believe more than anything else, what he was showing them is that our speech is important and it matters. And what he's also showing them is that faith, not doubt, moves us into possibilities. Matthew 24, 1 to 3. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Wow. So I'm reading this and I'm like going, well, that sounds like Habakkuk, something Habakkuk saw. And it's exactly what happened in 70 AD. The temple was torn down. 
Not one stone left upon it. And one final, one final verse to give us all some encouragement. Matthew 24, 9 to 14. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now to be sure, no one knows what day or hour the end will come. Nobody knows. And to be sure, there can be tribulations of many kinds. I mean, we could be very easily living in the last days. In fact, in the New, when the New Testament was recorded, it said these are the last days. And that was 2,000 years ago. So we are definitely closer to the last days than the last days was 2,000 years ago. But nobody knows what hour of the day it is. And there are signs. And a lot of the signs that Jesus prophesied in, in Matthew 24 were historical signs. They've, they've been happening in history for a long time. And I believe what he was really trying to tell his disciples, what he's really trying to say, is be watchful. Be watchful, be hopeful, be of good cheer. There's going to be tribulation in this world, but I have overcome this world. Be of good cheer. Be mindful of me. Keep me in your heart. Walk with me. Let joy fill your heart, not discouragement or despair. Now, honestly, It's where you and I are called to live, and it's where we more than likely know we're called to live, but living it is what becomes the hard part. It's so easy to be critical. It's why I had to basically stop watching the news when you find yourself yelling at the television. You know you're in a bad place, because it can't hear you. You and I, together, are composed of what is called the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is called the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is precious to God. Be careful who you criticize. Be careful what you criticize. I got this revelation a long time ago. It was when I first started preaching, actually. I found myself being a little harsh on the church. And the Lord rebuked me, and he said, why are you talking about my wife that way? I don't know about you, but if someone talks bad about my wife, I'm, I'm in the face. Why don't you stand up together? We are I think we're we're living in a day that's so easy to be critical. It's easier to be critical than to be focused and positive. For a lot of us. Not everybody. There are some people in here you have no problem with criticism. Not at all. You have no problem with gossip. You have no problem with anything else. You're solid. You're 
standing true on the rock. God bless you. We need you. But you and I, standing here in this room, are attached to one another through our Father. And I truly believe this, and I mean this with all my heart. We need each other more today to be encouragers and to be people who constantly get our eyes fixed on things above, where we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We need it more than anything else today. We need each other. Look at the person next to you and just say, I need you. I need you. We need each other. And this helps us to understand we're not alone. Now, I'm probably in trouble for a lot of things I've said today. I'm not claiming to be Habakkuk. I'm not claiming that the end is at hand. I'm claiming I don't know. I'm thankful I haven't seen a vision like Habakkuk. But in all honesty, what I see disturbs me. But I have to quiet my heart to know that God has got this. He's the one that's in control. I have to remind myself, Daryl, you're not in control. God is. Well, I am in control of the news. There is an off button. (laughs) Gives me control. I have one last thing that I say, and I, I, I got in trouble for having people stand while I'm still talking, so I'm going to be quick. I feel, and this is just based on my feeling, and it's a perception that I have, that over, I would say, probably the last five or six years, Faith Worship Center has been targeted by a spirit of witchcraft. I have prayed and I have sought the Lord on this for a long time. I have challenged the spirit. I've come in here and I've worshipped and I have enjoyed praising God with all your people. Enjoyed lifting him up. And I cannot dismiss this. I know, I know, honey, I know. I'm going on too long. So, so what, I, what I firmly believe is that there is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. Okay? I firmly believe that. I happen to stand on that. I also believe that there's nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God. There's no weapon against us that cannot prosper. does not mean there's no weapon against us. And that's all I'm doing is addressing this weapon. And I'd like you to join with me and pray. I've, I've kept it in for too long. 
I'd like you to join with me and pray. And I'd like you to pray with hope filled in your heart and the joy of the Lord and the cheer of the Lord to know that we are not defeated. We are not done as a church for this region. There is more to come for us. And I like what I see, and I like the changes that we're in, and I know is why we've been targeted. But I speak to this church as this church. Jesus said, we will have these kind of struggles, but be of good cheer because I have overcome. And Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for overcoming. I want to thank you that there is no weapon fashioned against us that can prosper. I want to thank you, Lord, for your promises to Faith Worship Center over the years. You have spoken many words through prophets and through your own people. And I want to thank you for this house. I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for who you've given us, that we are together and we stand united. And I want to thank you, God, for raising up intercessors, the happy hour intercessors who faithfully every Thursday or Tuesday come here to pray, intercede for this church. And they're happy people because they believe that you, are in control of all of it. And I bless this house today, Lord. I just speak with the authority and the anointing over the people in this house that you would not let others poison the minds of the believers, but that you would keep us together, hold us together, and allow us to continue as long as we have breath to praise your name and worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.